0: But you know more than I know. Launching in. Connecting the classics. Also not working is amazing. CTC. Connecting the classics. Still working the podcast. Podcast is a full-time job now.
1: Discuss. What rats were made before, we don't need them anymore. You know more
0: than I know. You know more than I know. You know more
1: than I know.
0: You know more than this I This is Connecting the Classics. That was John Kale. You know more than I know. This is JJ Kale. Ride me high. You want to tell the people what the podcast is about? My name is Will Hagel, music enthusiast, music writer, here with my host, Lee Robinson
2: music enthusiast, music curator. Um, This is a music podcast where Will and I both pick albums and then we connect from our album to the other person's album using three songs to create five songs of separation, Kevin Bacon style. Five songs?
0: I thought it was six songs.
2: Oh, six.
0: Six. Six total. Six Because it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon. (laughs) You're right. But... Yeah, five? No, wait, maybe... No, it is... It's ten songs total, usually. But I might be going on a run and have eleven songs. And we have but two
2: sets of three to create six songs between the two albums. There we,
0: there it is. Six songs. Six degrees, six songs. But you know more than I know. Kevin Bacon style. And we each pick a classic album. Did I, I think I picked first this week. You fired first. Loved the pick. We've been talking a little bit about this band on the podcast. Okay. And I think you're maybe a bigger fan. It's been rumored in Mexico City one time, you did uh, a <laughs> uh, word for word, Spanglish uh, karaoke for a rapt audience of, uh, what song is that again? Caress Me Down. Caress Me Down, that's right. Mucho Gusto, Me llamo Bradley, talk yeah, about exactly. Sublime. Uh, but I picked, I think it's their, their first album, right? 40 yeah. Ounce huh. To Freedom. Mm-hmm. And it's just that one that I remember from the album cover, the iconic logo of the Creepy Son. Yeah. And, and like everyone, everyone yeah. would have like a t-shirt of it in high school. Yeah. And then older people would have like a tattoo on their back. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just feel like Sublime is a funny band to kind of revisit because, you know, they had, I think it was just those two albums that the second one might have even been released after, what's his name? Bradley died. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and so um they're kind of like i feel like they can a lot of people love them and they were big in the moment but they can also kind of have that nickelback thing of like (laughs) "Ooh, that was a weird era where it was like yeah white guys playing reggae and hip-hop and stuff and yeah just very of its time but would you fire back with
2: so then i fired back with you know already some deep connections here but i fired back with grateful dead anthem of the sun You know, there's the big sun on the Sublime cover. Oh, I didn't even get that. And then also on that album, he covers Scarlet Begonias, which is a Grateful Dead song. Not on the album that I chose, but just some Grateful Dead connections. This is their second studio album, 1968. Uh, My main reason I chose it for this episode was I I had listened to it and it kind of made Grateful Dead click for me in a way that hadn't really made sense. You know, similar to Sublime, you might have some pretty passionate Grateful Dead fans. uh, And I feel like whenever I would ask them for recommendations, they would always recommend the live stuff and it's just really a hard entry point. So I don't know what you thought, but I thought this was a cool mix of like psych pop, blues, and then kind of the Americana jam
0: band sound that Grateful Dead has. I definitely agree. I put it on and just, I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was playing a card game online and uh, just like getting in the zone and it was basically the exact same reaction you had to it because Grateful Dead always seems like a really hard band to get into and if you're not a huge fan already then it seems like something you might not like and especially because like bands like Fish and String Cheese Incident and all those people have kind of bastardized the jam band genre over the year Um, but I thought this album was it was almost not like rock and roll but it had like the psychedelic Elements mm-hmm. that I would usually associate with Grateful Dead, but that you don't always hear in their songs, or what I think of the idea of Grateful yeah, Dead, if exactly. that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So it was really hitting for me. Good. And like you mentioned, uh, all of the or both these artists have instant connections, one-to-one connections. And I'm just gonna give a little preview of my connections today because I w- went on a walk yesterday and I was thinking about what do these groups have in common because they do seem like kind of different on the surface of, you know, like a reggae group from LA and then Grateful Dead, like group from the six or Long Beach group from the sixties and yeah. whatever folk you know, everywhere. Yeah, the surface stuff.
2: Uh, blues rock
0: So you already mentioned a couple, but I thought of three things they have in common and all my connections will relate in some way to those. Ooh, okay. First, first one is the insufferable cannibalistic nature of white <laughs> American culture, which you kind of mentioned with like the hardcore fans. Jam bands, white reggae. Second one is modernization of roots music for a specific era. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I like that. And then third one is cool logos. Nice. Yeah, got to have a cool logo. So let's launch into Sublime. Had to do it. A song that I remember probably downloading on uh, LimeWire or something like that. And kind of a goofy song that... I always thought it was a cover, and I found out it is, but it's not a cover the way I thought it was. Smoke two joints. Nice.
3: She was living in a single room yes. with three other individuals. One of them was a male, and the other two? Well, the other two were females. God only knows what they were up to in there. And furthermore, Susan, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to learn that all four of them habitually smoke marijuana cigarettes.
0: Off the bat great opening not a lot of rock yeah. bands were putting in stuff like this it's almost like a hip-hop approach to it sound bites
3: reefers
2: i don't know about you but i also started smoking
0: around this era yeah, and I feel like there's all these like stoner bands that just have the classic anthems like this that when you're like a teenager everyone thinks it's funny or good I yeah exactly I two joints exactly. morning,
3: I, two joints, at night. I two joints in the afternoon it makes me feel all right I two joints mom if you're listening I
2: don't actually I've never smoked marijuana in my life actually same here.
3: I, two joints, I two joints and then I
0: But I also feel like this song on the album showcases kind of the range of, from like the scratches there to like the electric guitar, the vocal the sa- samples, yeah. samples, and the himself, and the reggae. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm
2: incredibly biased, but this album was really nostalgic for me and uh, really influential. And then I th- I thought learning more about it was kind of cool. How it was like
0: one of the best independent selling records of all time. I didn't read that, but I believe it because it's like they probably had the I was thinking about Long Beach and how, you know, like certain places like Hawaii and places outside Jamaica are like well suited for reggae.
2: Well, they also recorded it. I love this part.
0: I just love the way that guitar comes in. Great guitar. All right. What were you saying?
2: Well, I also read they recorded it by sneaking into Cal State uh, Dominguez, oh, Dominguez wow. Hills and they would record from like 12.30 to 6 in the morning in the studio, music studio
0: whoa, whoa, part.
3: Rock for
1: damn
0: Yeah, I could see them being like a big Local band of the scene that just broke out nationally and yeah, had a probably a really good live show. Yeah, very they, much a bar vibe. They have that like thrash song on it or like the punk song. I forget what it's called, but "Bad Fish" another big hit from the album. I, I feel like their follow up album probably had more hits, but this is the one that I always kind of associate with them because of the sun logo and stuff. And yeah,
2: it's a little raw, more raw, and I think
0: it to me is held up a little better from my perspective my brother is 8 years older than me and he was more like target audience for being uh, you know in the right age when this actually came out mm-hmm. so i feel like i got a lot of that from like him and older people and i i was never huge into them but i think now enough time has passed where it's like kind of what we say with a lot of these bands is that they're almost like just pop songs no matter what the actual genre is and it's yeah. like you can kind of tell why some of these broke through even though it was like this specific area where you know this are they all white i feel like they are but i don't know yeah it's like white guys from long beach are playing yeah reggae rap
2: yeah i also read that it's pretty much bradley who steered them towards reggae that the bass player was one of the first members and he wasn't even really into the idea
0: that's funny i love the song too like with uh, the one guy starts rapping and he's like, yeah, I'm not a really a rapper or whatever. I'm just with my friend Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. It had like the loose feel. I feel like too is, I don't know. I feel like reggae, I might just not be tapped into it. I've been talking about how I want to get in the spoken word scene, but I also feel like maybe there's a reggae scene that's missing or reggae isn't as like popular as it should be right now.
2: Well, the last thing I was going to say, maybe we could talk about it more when I have my Sublime song is, I wonder if this is sort of the beginning of the like Cali reggae slash Hawaiian reggae. You'd mentioned that earlier. Yeah. And I wonder if Sublime can kind of be credited for that
0: trend. I feel I like I'm sure they could, or maybe they were just the most popular one. Because I don't know when like Pepper and Pepper's Iras- later Iration... Stuff like that.
2: That's later. The other one I'm trying to remember is who was the Slightly band?
0: Stupid. Slightly stupid. Are they yeah.
2: contemporaries?
0: I think they're older too. Or like so, I would say Sublime probably came first. But I also that's think kind of fascinating. Yeah, I think the difference between Sublime and those other bands is that Sublime does incorporate other genres, I think, better into it and have yeah. like popular songs rather I mean, I picked a bad example of Smoke Two Joints, but um not all their songs are about just like smoking weed and it is funny too because they cover a lot of like they cover like fifty four forty six was my number on the album yeah. i actually didn't even remember that and then yeah. like it's always funny to hear you know sublime singing about jaw and babylon and all these songs yeah. and stuff but i feel like they just went for it
2: yeah i think last thing i'll say I really appreciate now that I'm older all the breadcrumbs that are kind of scattered across the album for like musical, you know, tidbits. It's I almost I don't know if you call it
0: postmodern, but it's basically yes. like a hip hop album in a Definitely. different form. The way people think cool.
2: of like DJ Shadow, where they're like, "Oh, he just had all these cool samples." I feel like Bradley should deserves more credit for that as well. Yeah, the range, you know, Grateful Dead to Toots and the Maytals to I even see a B.B. King writer credit on one of these songs, which I don't. Wow. I didn't catch that. but He was weaving webs. Weaving lots of webs. But I'll pass it back over to Grateful Dead. All right. Well, great pick. Had a lot of fun with that. Um, kind of already introduced Grateful Dead, so why don't we get into the music? Uh, I'm not sure if this is the same one you chose. Pulling in a Will Hagel here and went with the first song, the opening song. To me, it was just it captured the energy and vibe of the album, so... Um, it is a seven-minute song, listeners, so strap in. Uh, this is That's It for the Other One. Ooh.
1: Oh, denied.
2: the other thing I was going to say... Did you notice too that sometimes Bradley's guitar solos sounded a bit like the solos you would hear in this album?
0: I see it now that you say it.
2: These little noodly solos. I never yeah. really connected that.
0: Imagine Grateful Dead just—I can't imagine them not jamming. Yeah, I feel like it's like they're on their bus, just playing music.
2: Well, so part of why this song is so long is it's technically, I think, four or five parts, so like little mini songs. I think that's why you hear kind of these non sequiturs. Uh, and I also learned that the album is actually a combination of live shows and studio takes, which is oh, kind of cool.
0: Interesting. So they're kind of piecing this all together. Totally. 'Cause I guess I was trying to imagine them sitting down and writing like a seven minute song. I can't imagine that like Jerry Garcia stopping him like, Oh, I like that part, can you play that again? Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. No, it very much reminded me of I know we've talked about Can before, and a lot of times they would get in the studio and just jam for like three hours and then the bass player, Holger Zuke, would kinda go in and post and then piece together his favorite parts and create these songs. Love that. I think that's kinda what Grateful Dead's doing here. Yeah, a little heavier than I expected.
1: Lady, come to me. She
2: on the road. This sounds live to me. So I don't know if it's helpful, but for me, it's kind of always hard to wrap my mind around who the members are. It's a bit of one of those bands where you had a couple of core people, tons of different people that cycled in and out. But obviously, you got Jerry Garcia on, you know, lead guitar. He's the the Bradley. vocals. Yeah, he's the Bradley. But you also have Bob Weir, who also is rhythm guitar, and I think he sings. Uh, and then you got Phil Lesh on bass. And then the drummer, I guess, changed quite a bit. But on this album, I think it's Mickey Hart.
0: And then kind of like Sublime, Grateful Dead has gone on to keep playing shows without Cherry Garcia. I called him Cherry Garcia. (laughs) I kept thinking about Ben. I was trying to weave Ben and Jerry's into my connections, but I didn't do it. That'd be great. Yeah,
2: you, uh what is it, Sublime with Rome was like yeah. a iteration and yet Dead in the Company.
0: Right. Nice connection. I was thinking about Queen too. I don't know why. I think it's because Queen replaced Freddie Mercury with Adam Lambert. Kind uh-huh. like Sublime with Rome. But none of these songs really sound like Queen, but for some reason I kept thinking of Queen. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, The last thing I wanted to call out
2: is the um, sound collage stuff. I don't know if you've picked up to, you know, 1968 is kind of early to be throwing in sound effects and, you know, clocks and all that ringing stuff. Yeah. Uh, And part of that was because Jerry Garcia was really into, uh, you know, music concrete, which is like an experimental French genre Mm. where they just play around with sound effects. And so that's why at the end of this song, you'll hear this sound collage come in. And he's doing this live on tape, right? So back then, you would literally just loop in pre-recorded songs, or sounds on on a piece of tape. Wow. It adds to the
0: psychedelic element. Seems like a lot of people liked Jerry Garcia, too, or like everyone of the time kind of respected him. Totally. His... I think he was
2: probably the most brilliant out of anyone in the group in terms of music. But yeah, the Bay Area was a big place for sort of experimental music, tape music like this. There was a whole center for it. That's where Steve Reich kind of got his start.
0: Um, oh, that's Reich. Right. I forgot So that's Gary that right. Kind of experimenting With tape And everyone But you know Concerts was probably oh, freaking out I will just say Everyone back in the day Was probably just yeah. Losing their minds over this
2: Totally And it sounds a little trite now I feel like Uh, the Beatles did it Pink Floyd's
0: done it I mean it definitely made its way into pop music but that's the thing is like this is so crazy but the fact that it's we're not losing our minds over it it's like sounds or you know it sounds like a movie soundtrack (laughs) or something but it's like these kind of sounds are so common but at the time it's probably like anything you get on a record was really poppy cheesy
2: yeah All right, we did our 7 minutes 31 seconds Went by fast.
0: Well, lock back in because I'm going into my connection one. (laughs) And as I mentioned, three things connecting these two artists. One of them is the insufferable, cannibalistic nature of white people launching into another 10 minute song, but I'm probably going to fade it early. Mike Love live version of Permanent Holiday which I think I played on a previous rendition of the podcast so there's a guy in Hawaii who's looping all this himself connection here is Smoke 2 Joints was originally written by The Toys which I guess is a Oregon reggae group from the 80s. I don't know them. So I always thought like some old reggae band wrote Smoke Two Joints. But then when I was looking it up, I guess this band... I guess now they live in Oregon, but they're from Hawaii. And they wrote Smoke Two Joints in 1983. Wow, so 80s? Yeah. And so the, the story, Hawaii reggae thing was going on before Sublime. True. And the story of it is they were sitting under a large banyan tree toking on some sweet bud and jamming on a rootsy reggae funky town and they just thought of oh, oh, love that it's... Love what's more Hawaii, Hawaii than
4: that
0: This is a song by The Toys as well, even though Mike Love's doing it. No, so this is like Mike Love's most popular song, and you know, I was thinking about the beach, two guys sitting on the beach oh, the Beach it. Boys, Mike Love, and I think. Oh, nice! I think the Beach Boys didn't they have some connection with Grateful Dead? I might be wrong, or I guess maybe uh, I don't just know. Pet Sounds is kind of just psychedelic, but so Mike yeah, Love. Totally. Mike Love is like a contemporary guy who is from Oahu, white guy who doesn't wear shoes and has a big beard. This is probably his biggest song, and he has like a recorded version of it. But I think he does a, a when you watch his live performances, like he does a really good job of, you know, like beatboxing on this, looping everything.
4: It's impressive. It's
0: impressive. it's funny like he's singing like a thousand years of captivity and it's like this white guy
4: you know why? <laughs> he
1: might just be white presenting
0: oh, I'm pretty sure he's
4: white also
0: I think he's an anti-vaxxer
4: damn but
0: Jerry Garcia probably would have been too
4: <laughs>
0: but classic song for insufferable white people who move to Hawaii about you know don't want to work in corporate Babylon never going to be a pawn in your manipulation game anti-working song and yeah. like you started the episode Weaving we webs.
4: Keep buying, keep love it life.
0: So A little Grateful Dead solo here? the breathing into mind the mics in it's like a sun CTC I gotta rev, <laughs> gotta dub it out Cell uh, uh, uh. I <laughs> change man words
4: I <laughs> be I own. I be live lay. Yes. mind <laughs> in take. I seek rev lay. make life celebrate I be change see manifest fast words speak I fuse be present they make own say bye the may my do in thing i sick
0: i love rev, loop loop music like yes yeah. live loops
4: be, change see manifest words speak. i feel
2: got to have ice rest, in your veins cuz you imagine I if you own, made this mess it up I yeah live, lay, mind, <laughs> i
0: always think about that in, take, you're like wait I'll hang on
2: seek,
4: rev lay
2: make live.
4: Sell,
0: well, I, I even feel like this isn't ch- completely on ch- beat.
4: Manfest, boots, I feel depressed. I
0: make. Oh, uh, maybe it is.
4: I will be manipulated Mind controlled and in And day that I will seek the revelation Make my life a celebration I will be the change I'm seeking manifest the words I'm Speaking I refuse to be Impressed that I will make my own Decisions I will be Manipulated mind controlled and In and day that <laughs> I will seek The revelation make my life It's almost like a carol I will yeah. be the change I'm <laughs> seeking <laughs> manifest The words
0: I'm speaking it's like the refuse before christmas be or
4: something I will
0: Yeah. green is i
4: know it's gonna pay off i i refuse to be impressed Should Make my life a celebration I am gonna be the change I'm seeking to manifest The words I'm speaking I refuse to be in prison I'm gonna make my only money permanent
0: Yeah, I saw Mike Love in Honolulu once
4: performing live.
0: Definitely talented People go nuts for him I feel like it's another thing of like kind of local scene
4: i breaking the chains
0: Yeah, we've talked a little bit about Hawaiian music before, but I always find it interesting because like reggae music obviously, you know, originated in Jamaica, but the way it sounds is like so suited for an island. And then like Hawaii has historically has its own kind of music, but then incorporated, you know, reggae and dub into it and then came up with like a kind of a similar new sound. I don't know. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Yeah, I think it was a a natural fit and then also sort
2: of a modern sound that you could iterate on. Whereas, like, I know we talked before in the chat that, like, some traditional music, you can't really break conventions without it becoming, you know, not that genre. Right. And I feel like when I've heard Hawaiian, traditional Hawaiian music, it's very much like there's set sort of aspects of it and i've heard that you can kind of iterate more with dub and reggae
0: right for hawaiian music and then also like not even just in hawaii like long beach you know is probably it's also a beach area that's like suited for reggae uh-huh. but then there's also the hip-hop influences and like rock influences of the surrounding area that creeps into sublime's music yeah, I always appreciated that they repped Long Beach and didn't yeah. say, like, L.A. or anything. I was thinking of um, Vince Staples, too, because the first song on the album is about Ramona. Say that again. Uh, I was thinking about Vince Staples, too, because oh, yeah. the first song on the album is, like, about Ramona. And I know Vince Staples talked about Ramona Park. I don't know if Sublime is talking about that or if it's just a name of a girl, but either mm-hmm. way. Love that web. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, of course, too. Yeah, definitely. All right, we're nine minutes out of ten. I'm going to fade this one and pass it back. <laughs> what did you think of that song, though? That was fun. Got my uh, yearly
2: dose of Mike Love. Yep, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we left off with Grateful Dead. We were talking about the song. That's it for the other one and that made me remember this incredible 90s hit hadn't listened to it in a while the lyrics go one hand in my pocket the other one is throwing up a peace sign Mm. jumping into Alanis Morissette hand in my pocket yes
1: happy I'm poor but I'm kind I'm short but I'm healthy
2: So for some reason I always kind of wrote her off, but I was listening to this song, revisited it, and for some reason I'm just like grateful that it clicked for me. Like I see
0: why people liked him or liked her. Yeah. I was thinking about Alanis Smartset recently because I rewatched the movie The End of the Tour, uh-huh. which is about David Foster Wallace and David Lipsky. Anyways, they, in David Foster Wallace has a poster of. It's based on real recordings and a book that I read too, but. Uh-huh. He has a poster of Atlantis Moore set, and there's like this whole conversation about how he heard this song on the radio and he loved it. I just looked it up, and he has a a quote of "She's pretty in a very in a sloppy, very human way."
2: Yeah, very human. All her lyrics are about like don't have it figured out. There's a great line about "I'm I'm young and underpaid." I don't know. just very relatable. Yeah.
0: Bob Dylan harmonica. Folk hero Atlanta Morissette. set. <laughs> She has a great voice. Hasn't got it figured out.
1: Yeah.
0: And then there's a part beside. where David Foster Wallace is kind of, because he knows he's talking to a Rolling Stone reporter, but he's like playing up how he wants his... Rolling Stone interview to get him a date with Alanis Morissette Wow, really? This is so funny But then he'd be like freaking out If it happened and he wouldn't be able to show up And he'd puke and all this stuff
2: So he really was a huge fan like this?
0: I don't know But (laughs) I don't know if he was a true fan Or for some reason he just had a poster And was doing, yeah, like a little bit I think it was a little bit of both That's pretty great
2: so this is 1995 uh, it's Jacket Little Pill the big album that she had I think this was a pretty big hit
0: oh this is definitely the hit
2: um, the other one I think was um, You Oughta Know Ironic obviously that was the other big one
0: Little sublime type beats there at the end. Yeah. Um, speaking of Southern California,
2: you ought to know on this album had Flea playing bass. Oh, red Hot Chili
0: Peppers. points for Flea.
2: <laughs> All right. Pass, I'll pass it back.
0: <laughs> I thought about uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers for cool logos because yeah. I have that red thing. So
2: are they contemporaries? Because they and Sublime remind me a lot of each other.
0: That's I the wonder. thing, they've they've got to be, because I was thinking too, like Roots music, then I was like, is funk Roots music? I don't think it really totally. is. Totally. But okay, I mean, it's so, an yeah. offshoot, kind of, right? Yeah. So I was like, there are definitely some Can you crossovers. Can about that poster over there? Where's the end of the tour? Alanis? Yeah. I don't know, I guess I'm susceptible like everybody else. What? Jason Segel I mean, she's has pretty. I'll nice. She is pretty. The <laughs> only thing in there. She's pretty in a very sloppy, very human way. You know, she's got this like squeaky,
2: orgasmic quality to her voice. It is kind of squeaky. That's great.
0: Here's what it is. What? A lot Five of points. women in magazines are pretty in a way that is not erotic because they don't look like anybody that you know.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Right, like You movie. can't
0: imagine them putting... Oh, we'll get to that later. But- right. <laughs> okay. Teasing. You know, talking roots music. Uh, but we're launching in. Okay. So my qualities... The insufferable cannibalistic nature of white American culture. We had with Mike Love, and uh, now we're on to cool logos. Connection here, Hawaii, rainbow state. Launching into, she's a rainbow. Rolling Stones. Wow. Okay. Also, this beginning, I'm gonna play it again. Doesn't that remind you a little bit of that Radiohead song, or is that intentional? Do do do
2: do. Probably intentional. Do. do. It almost has a ragtime vibe.
0: Briteful Dead used to cover the Rolling Stones. Wow. 100 points. I
2: wonder what they would play.
0: Not Fade Away, Little Red Rooster, and It's All Over Now.
2: So like all the bluesy stuff.
0: this song though you know just the lyrics of she's a rainbow colors everywhere very and psychedelic kind of the psychedelic nature felt reminded me of Grateful Dead a little or what I imagine of Grateful Dead yeah I feel that I don't know what that little sound is in the background but, Do! I like it? sounds like a uh, violin or something oh no there's the violin there's it yeah <laughs> I wonder if they really had like live instrument, live violinists in the studio. Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: Did. Remember, we listened to that one song by the Rolling Stones manager and it had all the orchestral pieces to it.
0: thing i was thinking is sublime's logo of the sun it doesn't say sublime on it and you still know what it is just like grateful dead's logo of the skull and the blue and red Uh doesn't have to say grateful dead and then obviously the rolling stones have the tongue mouth logo yeah with the tongue and lips which i think from looking it up it seems like it's maybe like the most popular logo music history interesting I feel like it's it's
2: associated with their later stuff
0: what logos do you think you think of I don't know it's a good point Rolling Stones are probably the biggest band so it was introduced in 1971 oh really oh I would have thought later but like the Beatles kind of have a logo too but it just the Beatles in that font Yeah. It's like the emojis that are just text. So I guess Mick Jagger said he suggested... uh, Here's a little uh, Jerry Garcia right here. Nice. Sounds like those
2: Shred videos.
0: So I guess um, Mick Jagger said he wanted the logo to be the tongue of the... Hindu goddess Kali, K A L I. I don't claim claim to pronounce anything right. Which, if you look that up, it is very similar. And then John Pash, Pache, Pash designed it. Said the design concept for the tongue was to represent the band's anti-authoritarian attitude, mixed mouth, and the obvious sexual connotations. I also think of Mick Jagger as having like big lips and his tongue out. Yeah. So it is like based on his mouth a little too, and then he said, "I didn't want to do anything Indian because I thought it would be very dated quickly, as everyone was going through that phase at the time." Yep, Grateful Dead. Yep. So nice. Give you a thousand points. Great connection. All right, passing it back. White people co-opting. Exactly. <laughs> Cannibalistic nature uh, or colonistic, I guess is maybe a better word. Yeah, I like that. Taking Indian culture, but I also feel like Indian, like maybe in the '60s, it got more credit, but nowadays. i feel like we kind of know indian music had a big effect on our popular culture but we don't acknowledge it as much or something or like the modern stuff doesn't influence it as much it doesn't influence the modern stuff as much i don't know
2: yeah i don't think they get enough credit
0: yeah let's give them some credit
2: all right you passing it passing it all right we left off with alanis morissette i still can't get over the coincidence that you're watching that david foster wallace movie that's pretty funny (laughs) yeah um But he had mentioned the squeaky, orgasmic aspect of her voice. And uh, I was listening, too, and I had a new appreciation. Uh, I think she's definitely channeling uh, a group that we haven't talked about yet. Um, They are from Scotland. This is the Cocteau Twins. Ooh. And this is Pearly Dewdrops. Drops. Listen to the singer. I think the singer sounds... I guess Lannis, Lannis Morissette is channeling the singer. Launching in. This is a trio... You've got a producer, guitar player, and singer. 1980s. I don't know the exact date on this, but... Definitely one of those bands that's kind of in the underground, helped with the sort of shoegazy movement. Maybe you've heard their name before.
0: I haven't, but you know more than I know. (laughs)
2: And, you know, this is the 80s, so she's probably listening to these bands growing up. Yeah, I think of in the 80s, this sort of shoegaze movement uh, in England and Scotland. This album is 1984. I will say I think she's a better singer than Alanis Morissette, but still props.
0: I feel like her voice is more hidden in the rest of in the mix. Totally, yeah. She's less of the like front
2: person, part of the instruments. Yeah. So I will add. I think I don't. Like know I if can't understand it. what she's saying. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> pearly do <dew>
0: drops drops. <laughs> I like this part though. you going to say
2: i was saying that the other person who kind of got famous in this group is robin guthrie i don't know if you've ever heard that name
0: he was the like
2: producer guitar player and he ended up doing a lot of ambient music later in his career after this group built up so you can kind of hear that wall of sound that i feel like shoegaze kind of helped with some of the ambient sounds
0: I almost want to hear this song with the singer's voice really clear. Like, I'm just curious what it would sound like. Because she's definitely a good singer. Yeah.
2: And so this was put out on 4AD, which, you know, was kind of a prominent label in the 80s. You also had Bauhaus, sort of another... Uh, new wave, post rock, or a uh, post punk type
0: band. Um, Pixies, obviously, also 4AD. I like this song a lot. I'm gonna give you a million points for it. Hey, okay, thanks.
2: So this is the 12 inch version. The actual album version ended up being slightly different. Maybe they remixed her vocals on the album version. I'll have to go back and listen.
1: But
2: yeah, I always thought it was cool. They're kind of from a small town in Scotland, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Able to make it to the big time. It sounded like she was saying Santa Tay or whatever that Scottish phrase is.
0: So, is there a Scottish language?
2: Yeah, Gaelic, I think, is considered.
0: Was William Wallace Scottish? Yes. As in Braveheart? Yeah. Yeah. From a small town, just like William Wallace? Yeah, exactly. I actually don't know where William Wallace is from. Probably small town. Yeah. Scotland. Made it to the big time. Uh, (laughs) Mel Gibson. All right. uh, I'll pass it back. Well, speaking of Mel Gibson, we're going over to Morgan Freeman, who portrayed Nelson Mandela. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, (laughs) he did portray Nelson Mandela in Invictus. And we're hopping over to South Africa because when uh, I went to the Rolling Stones Museum in Chicago a few years back, they had a big exhibition, exhibits about. the Rolling Stones' first performance in post apartheid South Africa. I think that was like mid nineties. I might be totally butchering the dates and the facts on this. So uh-huh. don't fact check me, but I know they performed there and it was like a huge hit. There's like millions of people, everyone loving them. Uh-huh. Um, so, this leads me into my third category. We did the insufferable ca- colonization, blah, 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 cannibalistic nature of white American culture. We okay. did um, cool logos. And now we're going to really all three. Well, I was going to do modernization of roots music for a specific era with the roots, because this song, there's a lyric about uh, like a Rolling Stone, the seed. By the roots and i was just you know wanted to listen to some roots because we haven't really talked about them much and this is just the roots yeah wow is, it sounds like rolling stones
2: wait you know this song right no i don't know the song wait pause it pause it you really don't
0: know the song or is this a bit no i, I don't know the song what is it it's the, the roots. roots uh seed 2.0 i'm pretty sure it was in an ipod commercial this was, like, a big hit.
4: So
2: it's so sampling Rolling Stones. Is it? I don't know. That sounds like Rolling Stones to me.
0: I think it's just they're playing it live, but maybe okay. they're doing a little uh,
4: homage.
0: Man, accidental connection. I didn't even know. Yeah. This is Cody
1: Chestnut.
0: Yeah, I feel like The Roots are a band that we can talk about them on another episode, but just in terms of like modernizing while staying true to the traditional forms. I feel like they're another band that has done that really well. And they can also just play like, I remember seeing them live and like, they can just launch into like any genre and just jam on it and play like a perfect song. And then obviously like Black Thought is one of the best rappers on top of that. And like Questlove is a musical genius and enthusiast. And so they are
2: now the the house band
0: right yeah so they god dang rolling stone yeah now they're the house band for jimmy fallon so i don't like them anymore (laughs) and they went on tour in 2007 where black thought came on stage with this guy my real connection here south africa dave matthews band grace is gone
2: What's the connection to South Africa? That's the name of the song?
0: Well, Dave Matthews is from South Africa. What? What? You didn't know that?
2: Oh, my God.
1: You're joking.
3: It's I'm drunk again. It's heavy on my
0: mind. I always remember, what because my brother, too, was a big Dave Matthews band, which I think he finds as like... No, nah, he doesn't hide from that past, but... You know, obviously, there's a lot of <laughs> connotations with them. I oh, he's just born in South Africa. So I, I think, Boy, yeah, he grew up, like, all o- traveling around different places. Yeah, so okay. I think he associates pretty much with um, South, South Africa. But I remember once, like, him saying, he was like, pointing to his head, and he's like, from here to here, I'm South African. And then he pointed to his belly, and he's like, from here to here, I'm American. No nice. Nice. <laughs> Upon the one I, so Wait. I thought this song no. was a little me, please, one more drink. Great
2: song Dave Matthew Band's fans Another good parallel to Deadheads Exactly, that's why I chose and it Amazing one more drink
4: and move on.
2: So why do people like him so much? Or his group? I mean
0: listen to that sax so you kidding me <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it's like I don't know like any jam band like they are good at their music and they play it well live and they riff on it and then it's like the dead and fish or any jam band like there's all these like live performances that you can choose from that are like little variations But I think Dave Matthews' band too Like, He had a lot of Or his band had a lot of pop hits You know That's the entry point Yeah And then of course They had the infamous poop incident What's that? It was like 2004 I think Or maybe later but Dave Matthews tour bus was passing through Chicago and they dumped out their tour bus shit like the sewage system on over a bridge and there was a boat passing by (gasps) oh my god
2: poop gate well I feel like if you were a fan there would at least be a silver lining they dumped
0: 800 pounds of poop on people taking a Chicago River cruise. Wow. People on the architecture tour. And the tour bus apparently paid a fine, served a year and a half probation, and performed community service. Wow.
1: One more drink, my
0: roughly two thirds of the 120 passengers on the tour boat were soaked that's disgusting (laughs) yeah i know this fan started in charlottesville virginia so it's like another kind of Southern, but not too far south. College town. Like they hit on I think a lot of things in pop culture that resonated. And then they I think too like Sublime or nickelback or any of those bands, like they're not bad Dave Matthews band. But it's like the fans. fans. Yeah. So pass it back.
2: right. Awesome picks. You're crushing your connections here. We left off with Cocteau Twins, with Robin Guthrie, the sort of producer um, behind the group, uh, which got me to my next connection, which is hopping over from Scotland to Ireland. This is an Irish rock group from the 70s who got their name after reading Woody Guthrie's Mm. uh, book where he describes oil field workers as boomtown rats. Nice. Launching into Up All Night because I don't sleep. I'm up all night. Huge class vibes. Yeah, this is my, my anthem right now. Very Clash vibes, right? Yeah, this is great. Never heard
1: this.
2: Funky bass. Very funky.
3: 1981.
0: So I went to Ireland recently and someone told me to, someone in America told me to watch the movie The Commitments. Have you ever seen that? Okay. No. I want to check it out because apparently it's about like a working class Irish neighborhood that's really inspired by like soul and funk music from America and they form like a soul band. Nice. (laughs) You know, talking about weaving webs across cultures. Yeah.
2: Oil field workers. Yeah. Yeah. The other connection is that the town that the uh, Cocteau Twins are from was a famous like oil, oil rig. Mm.
0: Little dub sounds on the snares. Yeah. A little
1: reverb.
0: I love how the bass is at the forefront though. Yeah, I gotta look up this bass line. Playing just super simple. I feel like I can play this. It's like almost too when the when a bass player doesn't play. That almost adds a lot to a song, like totally. a little pause. And I just the imagine it like not in his head.
2: Goes out to all the soon to be dads. Psychedelica. So, at the expense of ruining my connection here, this is a great example. Didn't know this song, but Was listening to Sublime and Bradley drops a line about staying up all night like the Boomtown Rats. So great breadcrumb he left for me and now I'm jamming to this. Wow.
0: Ten points. I like this song a lot too. Great connection. Woo. That got me pumped up. I'm up all night to get lucky. (laughs) Launching in Daft Punk. Nah, you pass it back? Yeah, passing it. All right, going into the end here. Connection between Dave Matthews Band and Grateful Dead is just, you know, jam band, all the things I mentioned. It's one-to-one. Didn't really need to connect at all. But we're launching into a song with the funniest name. This is... Oh, speaking of Ireland, when I was over Uh there, I learned a lot about the potato famine, okay, and like, emigration. Emigration? Is that what it's called? Yeah, people leave. Yeah. This is an e. New potato caboose, caboose with an e. Nice. this almost has a beach voice sound to it as well no jerry garcia on this one i think or he doesn't sing bob weir is singing wait does jerry garcia usually sing or no
2: honestly i can't tell yeah me neither but yeah i think he sings a lot of the hits
0: comes up blood red sublime but I was looking up some stuff just about how like fans will always debate you know what are the lyrics and then from one performance to another they'll change the lyrics yeah and stuff like that so like they really kept the folk tradition alive during an era when recorded music was popular so I feel like that's why they're kind of a challenging group to get into too because a lot of it is just like bootlegs and live recordings and stuff.
2: Oh, and so we mentioned this on a past episode, but, you know, relative to their discography, this this album, I think, was sort of a pushback that they felt like the first one overproduced and Mm -hmm. that the studio system kind of made them more straight ahead than they wanted to be. Right. but I feel like it's still grounded enough that it's accessible.
0: Jerry Garcia quote about this song where he talks about how it doesn't have any sort of form in terms of verse chorus. He's like, it has some reoccurring elements, but it doesn't have a recurring pattern. It just changes continually. Yeah. Which I think is true of probably a lot of their music. It says there's transitions that musically are really awkward, which I feel like you hear that a little bit across all the, the whole album, which... I didn't realize that they were maybe cutting together different recordings, but that makes sense. basically no good story about the grateful dead logo
2: oh shoot it's
0: just the they needed a logo for their equipment when they first started touring and the guy who designed it just thought it looked cool (laughs) nice
2: i definitely think pop culture has run with it yeah for sure you also have the bears too the little teddy bears
0: yeah i think it's the same person same artist I have been thinking about that, too, though, how it's like the visuals of an album really impact, I think, your listening to it, if that makes any sense. Even in small ways.
2: Well, I don't know if this is too much of a tangent, but I was just talking the other day with a friend about how hip-hop you can't just be like a person rapping in your closet Mm -hmm. and that like people want the full package they want the visuals they want the persona they want the social like presence
0: I feel like it's any music nowadays too sure I just think rap
2: has changed though that like you can't just be 90s Eminem where you just like are this raw pure skill yeah pure rhyme sayer like even in the underground scene yeah That fans want more
0: they want the full package yeah Can't can't just be ripping a guitar solo yeah
2: which honestly that's advice that I wish I had given myself you know 15 years ago yeah I think I thought skill was all you
0: needed no it's mostly branding yeah why Grateful Dead wouldn't be who they are without the logo. Branding and collaboration. Tangentially related, but I watched a TED talk David Byrne did called How Architecture Helped Music Evolve. Uh Uh-huh. And I feel like we could do we should maybe do an architecture episode, because That'd be cool. I feel like there's something about the relationship between music and like where it's made that I never really thought of and the space of where you listen yeah and then also it's like somehow art is kind of involved in that because it's like I don't know it like makes a different this is a probably too weird of connection but it makes like a different place for your mind to go to yeah almost away like totally. it sets I mean, the stage for listening. I think that's like half of why
2: music festivals are so popular. Is they're usually at menus that are like kind of uh,
0: they're outdoor and right. I don't know. There's that set design element to it. Well, in the TED talk, he talks about how like you know. Uh, the African rhythms are made for like, you know, open spaces with a lot of people and then it's like composers were making music for cathedrals to fill that space and then it's like jazz came about and people would be dancing on these like river boats and they'd call out like play that part again but they didn't yeah. want to play the same part so they'd play uh, like a different riff and then obviously like jam bands and he talks about how arenas like probably aren't really well suited for like classic rock but then... They had to figure out how to play in arenas because they were playing in arenas and stuff and so it's like it all has context but then like how you listen back to it has context too i don't know this is probably for a different episode no i love it well even to tie it to what we're listening to right now uh
2: wiki says a, a huge aspect of how the bay area like psych rock movement got started was they would just put free concerts in golden gate park oh wow which would be a really cool place to just drop in and catch these bands playing. That's
0: awesome. Give you 10 points, and I'll pass it back.
2: All right. Yeah, let's do... We could even do a Spaces episode, something like that. Um, Taking us home here. Already gave away the connection. Uh, This is Sublime, Don't Push. Bradley says, you know, if I was the Boomtown Rats, I'd be up all night. Yeah. Launching into... Uh, last song here I similarly thought great sort of uh, display of of how he takes all these different sounds into one song so
0: and references like a rapper yeah Bob Marley Ad Rock town Rats
2: and still the rock Stolen element land,
1: chased out with
3: a knife with a face like Bob Marley And a mouth like a motorbike Oh well, the bars are always hoping and the time is always right And if God's good word goes unspoken The music goes all night And it goes If I would by Molly I'd say could you be loved And if I was half pint
0: I would my lord up above If I was my this one too Nice Melding of the ears Oh, there's a the
3: line The Boon Town You know what I do I'd point that shit the sky and shoot heaven on down for you because the bars are always open, and the time is always bright if that's good goes The
0: psychedelic element too is interesting because there's we call it psychedelic, but there's obviously something I feel like natural that appeals to us in that kind of like distortion of normal sounds. In that you don't have to be on drugs.
2: Yeah, you can be sober. Yeah, agreed.
3: Laughter, it's free. Anytime, just call me 439 0116. When you die I love that sublime, too.
0: Yeah, it. I almost went into Mike Jones. Yes, giving out your phone number on the track. So good.
3: Stolen from an African land, I'll chase out of the bar.
0: David Barrand also talks about how birds will change their frequency based on how dense the forest is. So wow, shit, adapting to the place crazy.
3: You don't believe me that I Guanba tradition. I hear the mountain, it hard to climb, but for the rhythm that it must be sublime. Listen yellow lover, yet in right on time. We got cricket with the quickness and the baseline.
0: So good. Wanted
2: oh, that from Mike Love, the dubbed out. vocal Funky bass.
3: Raid the town, tell the the news. Oh, hey, tell them reggae music is on the loose.
0: Reggae music's on the loose. Tell a friend. Weaving webs when I was on my way back from Ireland. I sat next to a guy who's from Long Beach in Stock Did You bring up Sublime. I did. Yes. I was like, I know I feel like I know Long Beach from the music. Nice. Another thing of relationship with music and plays. Kind of impressive too that Long Beach has had so many big artists.
2: Uh huh. I mean, it is its own thing, it's yeah, not that's just I an mean. LA extension, it's like
0: separate from LA. Like the guy kept describing it as I'm just down the road from LA. Yep.
2: Wait, is this the one where they've got the Bradley thing where he wraps? I think it might, it
3: might be no Is it? Than no, I mean, that's not. Uh, I think that's DJ's. I feel
0: like you can't argue with Sublime. Yeah. Can't argue with Dave Matthews' band. Can't argue with uh, Grateful Dead. This has been the insufferable... Whiteness podcast.
2: <laughs> With your hosts. With your
0: host. All right, we done?
1: Yeah.